All right, welcome to the show. This show is How's It Growing every Wednesday, 11 till noon, right here on your radio station, KZUM Lincoln. All right, welcome to a little armchair gardening with me, your host, Bob Henriksen. I'm with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, planting Nebraska each and every day. All right, people, what a beautiful day out there, nice and sunny and a little chill in the air, but, man, it's a nice, warm sun. Hopefully you find some time to get outside and enjoy that today, a little spring in your step, a little moisture in the ground, but, man, we could use more. So do that rain dance, keep it coming at least, uh, but don't let it rain until after Saturday. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because it's spring affair week for this cat and... Uh, for all of us at the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, it's a great time of year. Uh, the annual Spring Affair uh, plant sale is the Great Plains' largest plant sale. How cool is that? And uh, anyway, it's going to be at the uh, Lancaster Event Center, um, and that's going to take place tomorrow. It's starting. And uh, yeah, so we're just kind of getting ready with all that jazz and, and uh, making sure... All the plants just arrived this morning, so they're busy setting up, and I loaded up a bunch of plants today to bring up for my shade house, so, man, there's going to be swimming in plants there. So, yeah, in uh, case you're not uh, familiar with Spring Affair, that is held annually at the Lancaster Event Center. It is tomorrow evening, uh, kicking things off from 7 to 9 p.m., and uh, that is our preview sale only, and that... Uh, that you do have to register for, and there's a price for that. And uh, then um, tomorrow, uh, Friday, I'm sorry, two days from now, Friday, April 28th, uh, it's uh, 2 to 6 p.m. And again, at the Lancaster Event Center. And then Saturday from 9 until noon. This year is going to be held at Pavilion 4 at the Lancaster Event Center. That's a different pavilion from previous years, and you just watch for attendance to direct you uh, where to park, and including hand, handicap accessible, of course, and anywhere close to Pavilion 4. And uh, if you go online, there's a map if you just type in springaffair.org, or if you go to plantnebraska.org and click on Spring Affair, you'll see a nice map that shows you where Pavilion 4 is and all sorts of parking around that. Big shout-out to the volunteers that make Spring Affair possible. Man, I think they had 20 people lined up to help unload plants this morning on over 700 different varieties. So, yeah, need lots of help to get that done. So check it out. Again, kicking things off tomorrow evening, the preview sale. You can uh, do the order tickets online yet uh, up until, well, today's the last day you can do that. Otherwise, if you just show up, you can certainly uh, purchase your tickets at the event uh, as well. So that works out sweet. Today's program, I have Heather Byers calling in. She's going to call in about uh, 11.10, and we're going to talk, well, shoot, folks, it's also Arbor Day. Arbor Day coming up this Friday. That's right, always the last Friday in April. Hopefully you're planning on celebrating Arbor Day one way or another. You know, one way you can celebrate Arbor Day is think about uh, um, foraging, right? And uh, foraging for a really cool tree, right? And uh, one of those cool trees is the red bud. Now, I want to give a shout out last week to Conservation Nebraska. We went, uh, they partnered with uh, How's It Growing and Bob H. here to do a wild edibles hike down at Wilderness Park. That was a lot of fun. Had around 40 people show up for that, and uh, it was a little chilly, but uh, 
ended up being a pretty nice morning to collect some wild edibles. It was nettle season. Nettle season's, uh, you know, it's prime time, man. It's like uh, you only have a, a, a certain window to get the, the best spring, spring fresh growth of the nettles. So get out there and get it done. A good excuse to get out in nature. But if you miss that, you know, have you ever eaten a handful of flowers off a tree? It's kind of fun to do in front of people, especially, you know, kind of get that, that wide-eyed look going, dude, what are you doing? But uh, red bud flowers, believe it or not. The red buds, eh, just not in full bloom anymore. And that uh, frost uh, that we got, freeze, whatever you want to call it, last week, didn't quite hammer them. Uh, The quality might not be there anymore because they're starting to to fade away as far as their bloom goes. But if you can still find some good, fresh red bud flowers, I encourage you to pluck some of those flowers and sample them and see what you think. One of the main things folks make with red bud flowers is uh, red bud jelly. And uh, easy recipes online, you just type in homemade red bud jelly. Uh, flowers are easy to collect, but also now when it blooms, the leaves aren't quite leafing out yet, right? So once that happens and the new little leaves that come out, you can cook those up as a green or use them in salad. Uh, they're rather tasty as well. And, you know, basically it just tastes green, right? You know, is, is I, I got to be honest, right? But uh Anyway, uh, it's got high concentrations of vitamin C of any plant in the eastern woodlands. And that's saying something. And uh, the flowers are kind of, I would call them uh, slightly sweet. And uh, yeah, they're just tasty. A slightly tart flavor that's very refreshing. So good stuff, Maynard. All right, I think I got that color on the line. Let's see. Why is that not happening? Hmm. Well, poo. I'm not sure why I'm not able to get this caller on the line. Uh, well, I'm going to have to go to a music plan B thing here, folks, so I can figure out why I can't get my caller on the line. So bear with me. Keep it right there. This is KZUM Lincoln. All right, people, we are back. <laughs> Thank you so much for putting up with me. Uh, it is live radio, and thanks to the KZUM staff. Carrie, thank you for finding the right button to hit. We do have our guests on the line. I'm sure you can hear me now, right, Heather? <laughs> yep, I'm here, yeah. All right, I, I had you cranked up too loud because I'm like going, you know, when you try to figure something out on live radio while you're trying to talk, it just doesn't work. So, folks, hopefully you enjoyed that little set of John Prine <laughs> while I was... Uh, calling for help and uh, you know what's funny Heather is it was one simple little you go to menu and then it was on producer versus this and but we got it figured out thank you so much for your patience and uh, getting the and then then I'm looking at the clock right and it was approaching 1130 and I'm like well shoot I'm gonna have to go to break once she comes on let's just do break first so everything's peachy the next half hour is or roughly half hour is ours I appreciate your time folks I'm speaking with Heather Byers she is the owner, co-owner of Great Plains Nursery out there north of Valparaiso, Nebraska, really close to Highway 79. You can see a sign. Now, Heather, you have a sign. I want to say it's seven miles north of Val. Am I correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. and there's a sign right on the highway, folks, because uh, folks can go out there. You're, you're more or less a wholesale grower out there at Great Plains Nursery, but are you? do you have retail hours for people as well then? 
Yeah, we're open 8 to 4.30, Monday through Friday. And then we do evenings and weekends just by appointment because we are primarily just a grow operation. Um, but we do um, entertain or, or open up to homeowners and uh, acreage owners and things like that that are interested in, in native trees and shrubs. And, um, yeah, we, we've enjoyed kind of that new piece of uh, opening our business to um, that section. So it's been kind of fun. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, you know, I imagine people come in and say, wow, this place is awesome. <laughs> well, we are a farm, so it is a couple miles off the highway, so it does take gravel to get here, which, um, you know, maybe is part of the nostalgia of coming onto a farm. I don't know. You get the full experience because it is, it's a growing operation. So we've got, you know, greenhouses, the field, you know, all of that set up. So, yeah. Yeah, people, and, uh, you know, it's it's not necessarily, it was, certainly we couldn't say this, okay, first got to ask how long you guys have been in business, because time flies when you're having fun. How long has it been now? Uh, this is our 15th season. 15th. Oh, my word, Heather. Yeah. Quit it. Time just keeps yeah. going fast, man. Well, 15 years, and we couldn't say this 15 years ago. I think only then, other than the statewide arboretum, I can't think of anybody else that was growing something from seed. And what I mean by something, people, is trees and shrubs, perennials too, but trees and shrubs that we didn't have a grower in the state, period. And so kudos to Great Plains Nursery for you, Heather, and Brian, uh, you know, really all the great things you've done to bring native plants, uh, native trees and shrubs specifically to the forefront because people wanted to plant them, but really they just weren't very readily available. And if they would come to see me, they'd say, dude, you got anything a little bigger? Because <laughs> all I do is little seedlings, right? And hey, they grow too, right? We like starting small and you know that, but the consumer doesn't necessarily know that. They want things a little bigger, right? And so, but one thing you said is, all right, we're going native pretty much. I mean, not strictly native, but mostly native, right? And so mm -hmm. you decided to do that from the get-go, and then you also decided we're going to kind of do our own. I like uh, they coined it on their website, folks, call it the Great Plains System. So we'll talk about that. But first, Heather, I'm, I'm curious what, you know, back in college, I remember you coming into my office. We were chatting about the Great Plains for the Great Plains program, and I can't remember if we even talked about natives. We probably did. But what made you decide, even when you were back in school, uh, you probably did back then, right? So, because you had to do a business plan and all that for the horticulture entrepreneur class, and yeah. natives were specifically in that business plan even back then, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just um, I really liked the how ecosystems work together. Um, you know, I was reading more about it, learning more about you know ornithology, entomology. You know, I loved my entomology classes. And I just, I liked how all of those systems really work together. And the more that you study it, you learn that it really starts with native plants, with habitat, with having the right plants for, you know, to, to transfer the energy from the sun into the food web. I mean, and by that loss of habitat, by replacing our landscapes and our parks with non-native species, um, and, and some is good, there's a balance there, but more and more was being chosen for ornamental or for beauty value, you know, um, which is okay too. But when we lost too much of that, that really starts to affect the rest of the ecosystem. And so just studying that and realizing, why well, would I want to plant a few natives on my place? You know, where can I get them? And they just weren't available and they were really hard to find. Or if you did find them, they, you would find cultivars of natives mm -hmm. um, that would be selections. And, um, and, you know, nobody was really focused on local ecotype. You know, you, you learned about that with the rangeland guys. 
you know, when it came to our come came to our grassland areas, they were focusing on ecosystems and ecotypes, but not so much in the tree world. And so I, mm. I guess I saw an opportunity and I, I just really got excited about it and thought maybe we could make a go of this and um, and provide these. Maybe we can really shine the light on the importance of these plants and that would help get more planted and um, and people would consider them for their for their spaces. You know, Heather, I often say, go go back to move forward. And if you think about it, it's like people often ask is like, well, what are the trees of the future? You know, are you concerned about climate change and what are we going to do? It's like with the warming climate, man, what's going to be able to take this? And I always shrug my shoulders and say native trees because 99% of what we have in our community forests, oh, maybe not quite as high as, okay, yes, 99%, <laughs> if not higher, uh, if the trees that are throughout the city of Lincoln, for example, yeah, we have some native trees here, but very, very few are local ecotype. And what we mean by that, folks, is we have natural populations growing in our state that some re- for some reason people weren't collecting seed from, people weren't growing them and offering them for sale. They were ordering in their trees from Timbuktu, often Oregon nurseries up in Minnesota, places like that. We just didn't have anybody taking taking it from seed to the next level. So again, it's just really cool because if you're thinking about Nebraska, well, really, do we have a lot of forest? Well, no, but we do have natural populations, Heather, right, that you have identified. Mm-hmm. And I imagine, I know you guys go out even western Nebraska near McCook, Culbertson, and get from the Burrow Canyon, which is like, to me, the perpetuity of, of basically saving the genetics of that tree that's been around for probably 18,000 years or more, who knows, right? That population, mm-hmm. but yet it never made it into the industry. And you guys are changing that. Can folks get, uh, we call it uh, uh, relic oak, right? Are you still calling it that mm-hmm. or is it burrow? Okay, yeah. relic oak. Yeah, yeah. So good luck finding that anywhere else in the world, people, right there at Great Plains Nursery. So, Heather, I got a caller on the line uh, while I have you here. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, keep you on the line. We'll just uh, turn this up this sure. other one. I think I know who it is. Is this Janet Buck? It is indeed. <laughs> How you doing, Janet? Hi, Bob. I'm okay. How are you? Good, good. Hey, what's going on? Are you here to call about the uh, uh, the Herbal Society, Nebraska Herbal Society's plant sale coming up? I am, yes. Cool. Um, yeah, I just wanted to... Um, remind if they didn't know or tell your listeners about our annual plant sale it's our 21st annual one um it's coming up on saturday may 6th from nine to one it's at the new hope united methodist church here in lincoln that's at 45th and orchard street um we have all kinds of herbs that we'll be selling we have, and I can tell some of those in a minute, but, and we also are going to have a bake sale um, with herbal products and the tasting table so you can taste what you might be wanting cool. to buy before you buy it. Nice. Um, yeah. And some herbal gifts that our members have made and a gently used garden items nice. sale. Yeah, it's always a cool job. There's so much going on that day, too, Jan. And I always tell people, it's like, you know, make it a road trip. You know, hit the Herbal Society. Midwest Natives is opening that day. 
we're having a plant sale that day. Heck, Heather, you're probably having a plant sale that day too, right? May 6th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our local school. Yep, our local school plant sale that day. Oh, yep. that's right. You do a bang-up job with your local school. That's a great move that you do there with the school. So, okay, so get your herbs, get your veggies, support local, right, Janet? So, well, thanks for calling yeah. in, Janet. Um and so a wide variety of herbs are going to be available and, uh, you know, join the Nebraska Herbal Society, a great group of folks, and uh, stay connected. Oh, yeah, and I, sh- I should mention that Gary Fair from Green School Farms is our supplier, our grower of the plant. Oh, awesome. So all, all locally, um, he's got a business, and they're all locally grown. So Nice. That's a great, um, great partnership you have there. That's awesome. Yes. Yep. Yep. Wonderful. So, well, good work. All right. Janet. Well, thanks. You betcha. Yeah, thanks Thank- for your time, and hopefully see some of your listeners there that day. Okay, thanks for calling in, Janet. See you around. All right, bye. Uh-huh. Bye, bye. Bye. All right, Heather. Well, sorry about that. We had a little, uh, you know, uh, little glitch there no, in our great. system. But I love hearing about all those things. That's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, the Nebraska Herbal Society is a great group of folks, and uh, you know yeah. they, and they, I guarantee there'll be some good goodies there for you to sample as well. People, you ever have lavender cookies? <laughs> Why not? Be this. This be the time. And if, I know if uh, uh, Bonnie Bakes involved, she's making some scones because she makes some killer scones. All right. Well, all right. So where were we? We were talking about uh, just, again, that, that we, the consumer, to be able to say that. So I think, in my mind, you guys are preserving genetics. And because we don't know what a changing climate is going to mean, uh, I think the trees that are most resilient to that changing climate are those living on the fringe of their natural range. And in Nebraska... I think there's like 30 species that are living on the fringe right here in the state. So, again, uh, it's just really important that you get that local ecotype seed out into our hands. So, good work, Heather. All right, and I know busy, busy time of year. Um, You guys uh, do a great job. Um, Oh, what is the name of the girl that does the uh, social media stuff for you? And she does, I think, a weekly spotlight on plants. Hillary. Hillary, that's right. I know... I know She's doing a great job. No doubt. It's just lots of great information. And for folks to follow the great information Hillary's providing, what do you recommend they do? Do they follow you on Facebook or get on a newsletter or what? Yeah, so we've got two avenues. They do. Uh, she does Facebook and Instagram, and then we do a newsletter twice a month. Cool. And it's usually jam-packed. Tim, um, is our, he's got a master in horticulture here on our staff, and he jam-packs that with tons of content. It's, um, I, I'm always so impressed with everything he's adding into it. it. It's very well done. And between him and Hillary formatting all of it, they, they do a really, really nice job. Yeah, it's just a nice addition to uh, the great service you guys offer, just growing trees and, and growing trees right. But yeah, it's a cool thing. So uh, Great Plains Nursery, you can find that on Instagram. You can find it on Facebook uh, and follow them. And on their website... Uh, I haven't looked here at one of the drop-downs, Heather, but I'm assuming on your website here you have how to sign up for the newsletter as well, correct? Yeah, it'll pop up usually from, like, the bottom of the screen when you first, you know, link onto the website. That's right. That's right. I remember that happening. Cool, cool. Yeah, so, all right, folks. And so, again, they they didn't always offer uh, you coming out to the farm, but that's an additional service now, so... That's a cool thing. You've got a, a great staff. It's just cool to see all you guys' smiling faces there. Jeez, how many people do you have now? Uh, man, Heather, that's like, wow. 
Yeah, we're up to 10 full-time right now, and, and wow. then we bring on eight in the summer months, eight high school and college kids. We're extremely lucky and blessed for the, the team that we have. It's, it's an awesome team of people. Well, shout out to your team. Yeah, good work and, and just uh, really, really happy. Uh, we won't talk about pawpaws, right, Heather? Because, ah, oh, man. <laughs> we We've already been brainstorming this morning uh, about what we're going to do different th- this next year. Because it's, gosh, I love that plant, and we just have so much trouble trying to overwinter it sometimes. And yeah, So we're, we're coming up with some new ideas. We'll get it figured out. Yeah, I can figure you guys brainstorm. You'll get it figured out is right because that is frustrating, and no doubt. Uh, like, like I said to you, it's like we're not selling uh, uh, toasters and wallpapers, so, you know, things, exactly. things die. <laughs> things die. All right, well, Heather, let's, uh, let's kind of shift gears here and uh, maybe tell the people some of your favorite trees and, and or shrubs. You know, kind of put you on the spot here. It's like, uh, oh, 11.45 okay. now. And, and and why you feel this tree is special and it should be planted more of and uh, maybe yeah. even talk about its ecological benefit too if you want. So, so yeah. yeah. Well, when it comes to ecological benefit of trees, oaks, you know, you can, you can look up. Uh, Dr. Doug Callamy has put together a great uh, website. So it's um, Bringing Nature Home is his book. And so if I would encourage listeners to read that, that'll kind of change your whole perspective of using native plants and why they're so important. But there is a website, um, so you can go and study, um, it's um, Homegrown National Park, and it talks about creating a national park in your own backyard and encouraging homeowners to start connecting our backyards to create that next big national park because actually our turf lawn is the biggest um, crop, you could say. It's bigger uh, acreage-wise than than cornfields, than soybean fields, I mean, the obsession with the lawn has kind of taken hold, and by starting to convert that into more native space, we can create a whole new national park and a and a refuge for all of these species that are so dependent on our native plants. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, so, that's cool. That's a cool way to put it because, and I remember reading about it, I think I signed up too, but because you can sign up, right? You can go to that website and sign up yeah. your place. And, and, register uh, your place, yeah. Register mm-hmm. your place. And then, of course, that means people, when you registered, no, we don't want you to have wall-to-wall turf grass from curb to curb. But, of course, if you're listening to How's It Growing, you probably don't have that anyway. But, yeah, yeah, it's about connecting the dots, right, Heather? Because I know, it seems to me, Talami talked about, you know, you used to be able to go to wild places and and nature was there, you know, ecologically. Well, we've got invasive species, too, that are going to those wild places. Yeah. And why not those wild places be in our own backyards and we can create the largest national park that the, the world has ever seen if we all just collectively get together. I think that's kind of the, the gist of his exactly. of his mission, right? Exactly. Too cool. All right, so all right, so that means all right, we live in town, I can have a little bit of prairie and I can have a little bit of woodland. I can have shade trees and I can, you know, maybe Maybe there's an area where, you know, it's bright, hot, and sunny. That's where I'm going to put my prairie. Oh, but wait, folks, you can put prairie plants, i.e. woodland plants, underneath your trees, too. And so it's it's about all of those things, you know, uh, thinking about lawn alternatives, creating more of a meadow effect. And so, to, to create, so a backbone tree, Heather, like say you just bought a house in Lincoln and you had a blank slate and there was like uh, just really no trees whatsoever shading your house what would be maybe a couple, three, four, whatever trees that you'd say, man, I got to have this one at my place and here's why. Oh, yeah. Well, so we follow some of this work that Talami does and he's created Keystone Species List. 
So keystone species is a species that all the others are dependent on. And if that species is removed, it changes the whole ecosystem. So think about, you know, like the wolves in Yellowstone. It's always a great example of that. You know, the wolves are a keystone species. Well, for us in our eco region here in the Midwest, um, our number one is Quercus, which is oaks. And then we have Prunus, which is the cherry family, our native cherries. And then willows, our native willows. So I always try in any, anytime I'm working with a homeowner or a acreage owner or landowner to really incorporate those top three genuses mm. um, to make sure that we're, we've, we've hit those. And then if they still want to do some ornamentals, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But by making sure we're, you know, we're definitely coordinating those in. So on a small lot, my go-to is dwarf chinkapin oak because then I'm hitting that Quercus or that genus mm-hmm. species or genus, um, but I love dwarf chinkapin oak because it's a smaller stature. It can be grown as a multi-stem and like a shrubby oak, or it can be grown single stem as a small tree. And it grows to 15 to 20 feet tall, depending on the location. But I love that tree. I mean, it's just so versatile to use and it's tough. It sets acorns really early. The blue jays love them. But what's great about it too is an oak is a, is an, a wonderful host plant, a larval host plant. So that means there's a whole array of moths and butterflies that can lay their eggs on that plant versus being um, host dependent, you know, like a milkweed and a monarch, oh, you know, wow. or that there's kind of that relationship there. Whereas when it comes to an oak, they're just kind of a, it, they can take anybody. They're so like a smorgasbord. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah so. it's, it's funny though. And I think when, it, when people hear that, they might think, well, yeah, but I don't want all these critters eating up my trees. Now we're talking about oaks, folks. Notice the oaks in Lincoln, the pin oak, for example, love it or hate it. it they're not defoliating the tree. They're taking a bite here and there. Because the tree, of course, has been living with these critters for millennia. They know they've got chemical defenses to kind of keep the chewing at a minimum, right? So uh, defoliating just doesn't happen. But those moths and butterflies, like you said, are laying their eggs on there. Their caterpillars are feeding on the oak leaves. Then that becomes bird food, right? For We're all seeing the bird activity right now. Everybody's having fun. And that's, that was kind of why I put the song to start the show called A Natural Thing. And uh, to... <laughs> Two kinds of something trying to make it three. <laughs> I, I kind of <laughs> like that. I kind of like that line. Anyway, it's a natural thing. And so, yeah, uh, oaks, man, are king. And I'm glad you gave a spotlight again on dwarf chinkapin oak. And, and folks, this is a rare tree. Um, it's uh, borderline a threatened species uh, in the world. And so if you could order some tree, oh, let's say, let's go to the tropics, to the Amazon, and you could order some tree that's like so rare it could be extinct someday. You probably would order that if you could grow it here, right? Just because save the Amazon. Well, what about what about Nebraska? What about our prairie, right? We got one-tenth of one percent of the prairie left. Nobody was clamoring for saving that. And now we've got these unique tree species like the dwarf chinkapin oak that really only grows in one county in the state, maybe two. Um, and it's threatened or imperiled in other states. So this thing could disappear. Does it matter? Well, I think the dwarf chinkapin oak thinks it matters, and a lot of the Mm -hmm. other critters associated with it. Yeah, cool tree. And and I've seen Justin Everton has one out in Wayne Park in Waverly. I swear that thing's 25 feet, if not taller now. Uh, It might have a little chinkapin blood in it. Who cares? But, uh, yeah, nice multi-stemmed, awesome tree. All right, so you got your your small lot. What if I want a big shade tree? What would you tell me to plant then? Oh, number one, baroque. Yeah, always baroque. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's a just our, our staple tree. I mean, it is 
it it is the backbone tree. It it just does the one, and it has such a huge native range and its its adaptability. Just all many so many good things about the bur oak. What if I don't want an oak because it's too slow growing? Ah, <laughs> there are ways you can modify. Um, so the growing system that we use modifies the root system from being a taproot system into a fibrous. So that in turn gets more growing points or more root tips. And so we can get a faster growing tree by modifying the root system to allow for more entry points of water and nutrients. So we, we have oaks like our red oaks. That's probably your fastest oak when, if you really want something to grow fast. Mm-hmm. Um, a red oak is a good choice. But, I mean, we can get three to four feet a year on a red oak. On a bur oak, maybe two feet. Um, but still, I wouldn't call that slow. That's I a nice, steady. I mean, they're strong wooded. If you get them, if you get something too fast, it's a weak wooded tree. Right. So that's one of those great things about oaks is they're strong. They have good branch angles. They can hold up to the longevity of our weather extremes, and that's why I love them so much. Yeah, exactly. Our longevity, weather extremes, and anything nature throws at it in the future, right? And, and uh, yeah, you know, you were saying one to two feet a year on the bur. You're talking about not necessarily in production mode you're talking out in the landscape you're seeing one to two feet yeah. right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. cool cool yeah it's just really awesome and to see an oak put on four feet of growth you're like well what 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 are people talking about them when they say slow growing oak because it really has a bad reputation for that still amongst people and i think the main reason folks is a lot of times we were planting three inch caliper big oaks you know and those trees have lost most of the root system in that transplant. So it takes it a long time to recover that root system. Whereas something like a red maple says, bring it on. I'm used to kind of a disrupted root system the way I roll in nature. And so, you know, a climax species, a keystone species like the bur- like the oaks, don't like that root being cut away. It takes forever to get it back yeah. again. Well, and big woody roots that they develop so naturally have a really hard time initiating new roots. So that's part of the challenge too, whereas more Mm -hmm. of our floodland species or bottomland species like maples and green ash, I mean, they can generate new roots so quickly and that's why they transplant so well. So that's kind of that other challenge of adapting that root system early on when the tree's young and and growing it in more of a modified system. Too cool. All right, and you also mentioned a cherry in there. So if you could plant something in the prunus or cherry family uh, for a good shade tree. And, and I'm also curious, Heather, you have red oaks that you probably planted out at your place. You have bur oaks that you planted out at your place. And and I'm sure you guys know the year you planted them. And, mm-hmm. and, and maybe you planted what we're going to talk about now, a black cherry out at your place. Have you seen all of those like what, 10, 12, 15 years ago, what do you got now? 25, 30-foot trees, would you say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. The black cherry is a fast grower. Yep. I would say the black cherry and the red oaks are very similar in growth rate. And I do love a black cherry. It's a great medium-sized tree, so not nearly as big as, you know, the what most of the oaks will be as a large shade tree. But the black cherry is a nice medium size. The dark purple... Um, bark on it is very ornamental it has like white lentils um or lenticels uh-huh. that show in the winter months and it's just covered in white blooms in the spring a blackberry in the summer none of them will hit the ground the birds will clean them off <laughs> so fast um and then a great like yellowy orange fall color but it's just it's a beautiful tree i wish it was 
utilized more. It's definitely underutilized, I guess. I agree. In that category. I agree. We could probably drive from west to east to north to south Lincoln looking for a sizable black cherry and maybe be able to count them on one hand. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't see them a whole lot in Lincoln. And, and why is that, folks? Well, for one, I just growers just weren't growing them. And I think it does have a reputation of being a quote, quote, messy tree. But like you said, Folks, the fruit won't even hit the ground. What does messy mean to you? Leaves? I mean, come on, man. We're not going to grow plasticus nomesicus. We got to grow uh, good natives. And I remember listening to Tallamy give a talk, Doug Tallamy, the guy, the entomologist, looking at how native plants can benefit uh, moths and butterflies. Man, black cherry was like one, like you said, right up there with the oaks, uh, quintessential mm-hmm. uh, tree. And, and you'll get two to four feet of growth a year. So you want a good, fast shade tree. Think of the black cherry and uh, yeah, Heather, I really appreciate you guys growing that. It hasn't been always easy for us to get local ecotype seeds. So I'm hoping you've got a source. I think you guys go out to Shram Park maybe to get the local ecotype seed for the black cherry. Am yep. I wrong on that? Yeah, cool. Yep. And it's, it can be hit or miss um, on being able to collect, getting our timing right. So that is a reason that our inventory fluctuates on it. Right. So that's part of the game that we play too. But right. Um, but we're really working to get it built up. We've got a couple pretty good sized ones on our property now that we've planted. Nice. So um, trying to kind of establish our own um, seed orchard, I guess. Right, good right. For it. Yeah, exactly. Um, just to make it a little bit easier to hit our timing windows just right. Right. Yeah, and then you'll have to cover that whole thing with the with some sort of bird netting just to because uh, they are they will clean the house. I got a call from a fellow at Indian Cave because I asked him to tell me when this fruit was ready. He calls me on a Thursday. I went on a Monday because I couldn't break away, and they were all gone from Thursday to Monday. Wow. Not a tree in the and there's a lot of black cherry at Indian Cave, by the way, folks. A lot, and yeah. uh, I could not see any fruit on them. But I did wit- witness an eastern bluebird going up to a tent caterpillar nest uh, and uh, pluck away at that nest and grab some caterpillars and flew, flew away. And we both, the dude in the truck with me, looked at each other and go, "Did you just see that?" I was like, yeah, I, I read about it, but there it was in person. Tent caterpillars are bird food. Of course, the tent caterpillar is going to make that, that insane web to keep the birds from wanting to go in there. But, hey, they see somebody on the edge, they're going to get him. <laughs> That's what they did. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, Heather, we're out of time. I apologize again for how the show went. Uh, we missed out on a half-hour hey, no conversation. But, darn it, I, my time's up. I'm out of time, kid. I got to... I got to leave the station for somebody else now. <laughs> well, well, thanks, Bob. I really appreciate it. I always enjoy visiting with you. Well, happy Arbor Day to you and keep up the great work at Great Plains Nursery. Again, folks, follow them on Instagram or Facebook. Sign up for their newsletter. Go to greatplainsnursery.com and check out their farm. Again, they're open now. Uh, what were your hours again, Heather? Uh, uh, 8 to 4.30, Monday through Friday, and uh, evenings and weekends by appointment. Very good. All right, Heather, well, you get back to work, get busy, and get those trees out to people. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Bob. All right. You bet. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, folks, you were listening to How's It Growing right here in KZU. I'll be back at it next week. I hope to bring you a a better show than this week uh, based on the technical difficulties, but we'll get there. Thanks for tuning in. Stick around. This is KZUM Lincoln. (laughs) 